Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Things are sure to go bad this episode because it's Buffy's birthday. Season 6, episode 14, Older and Far Away. I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. Why don't you guys introduce yourself with what gift you stole from the mall to give to Buffy? Well, hi, my name is Travis. I'm just trying to think of a, a, a funny gift. Um, I would... I don't know. I'm not a good, I'm not a good thief. I'm not a good... Uh, <laughs> I, I probably would have to steal something like a food item or something, like really low stakes, like some, some free candy or something. I'm not sure. You come to the party with a pocket full of candy. <laughs> yeah, like loose candy, like <laughs> loose gumdrops <laughs> from the candy store. That's because you're so sweet. I think I'd have to go to like the CD store and uh, get her a fish poster to go with, uh, <laughs> with the rest of her uh, bedroom decorations. Nice. And who are you? Who, who am I? Oh, oh, right. That was the whole point. Yeah, introduce oh, right. yourself. Is... Sorry, I'm so focused on the thing, right? Yeah, no, uh, my name's John. I'm the guy who would uh, steal a fish poster. Except I'm not that guy at all. Uh, I'm a guy on the podcast. Hi. Uh, hi, my name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season six, episode 14, Older and Far Away. And I would steal a uh, No Doubt t-shirt for Buffy from uh, Old Navy. At this point, it's in the vintage merch section and probably $9.99. And uh, <laughs> no one would expect a 40-year-old man to steal that T-shirt, but I fucking stole it. <laughs> uh, I, I right. thought this was time travel. I thought that we were time traveling. Oh, were in we time traveling? In which case, you'd have to steal from the Hot Topic. Oh. but uh, You know, I would steal an Anarchy sticker from Hot Topic. That would be like, that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I think she would appreciate it. I would probably go into Spencer's gifts for my yeah. <laughs> You have to steal from like a company that you have no moral qualms from, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's anybody at the mall. I mean, yeah. right. Not everybody. Ideally, I would steal like, you know, an oil field from Halliburton or something. Like if I really was going to steal something, I would definitely steal from Halliburton. I love the idea of Halliburton like having like a brick and mortar at a shopping mall. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and the oil companies just, yeah, they're just shuffling deeds, I guess, in one section of the store. Yoink! Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a weird fantasy. <laughs> All right, before we get too far into Older and Far Away, uh, we're going to do reactions. Audience reactions. Uh, we're going to do reactions to Angel Season 3, Part 1. And John, why don't you read the first one? Okay, this one is addressed to me. This is Garrett Thatcher. It says, uh, John makes some fair points about El Paso kits not being great and expensive. <laughs> Touche. Now, I just wish the Mexican grocer he's talking about uh, delivered to the Northwest as well. So, uh, Garrett and I are having a very slow motion conversation back and forth via uh, our comments thread on YouTube about Mexican food uh, availability in the UK. Uh, yeah, um, I just had my second giant Mexican delivery. This is happening so slowly that... Uh, 
I have eaten my first gigantic box of Mexican food, and I'm now on my second gigantic box of Mexican food, which is fantastic. Uh, and I'm sorry they don't they don't uh, deliver to the Northwest. Uh, that sucks. You should uh, after COVID invite him over for the Mexicans. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or uh, you know what? Uh, send me some address. I'll uh, I'll royal mail you some uh, some tortillas. Uh, Travis, why don't you read the next one? All right. This is from Jessica Latimer. Listened to it the minute it was released. Wonderful opinions, especially those of Fred regarding her PTSD. I do wish you had longer episodes on the Angel. Or I, I, wish, I do wish you did longer episodes on the Angel Eps, though. And Jessica, I 100% agree. Um, and I'm 100% overruled every time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good to know that the Angel episodes get some love. Yeah, thank you. I uh, This will lead us on to, we are going to have a, a new segment at the end of this episode called uh, Where Do We Go From Here? Where we pitch what our next podcast will be because we can't be doing Buffy forever. And personally, my goal is to finish this podcast before I turn 40. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Mike, why don't you read the last one? All right. This is from Rich at Dingo Action who says, Trivia, the actor who played Skip was in The Office. He played Roy, Pam's erstwhile boyfriend. That's awesome. I'm able to picture yeah. that now. Skip is the amazing uh, hell bodyguard uh, in Angel, the uh, episode where they uh, Angel has to go to hell, whatever hell dimension. Um, freaking great, weird, uh, like, yeah. I mean, he's playing another Office-style character, too, so that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, this is great trivia, because I've watched both The Office and Angel so many times, and I never put this together. Good job. Good job, Rich. And a quick time out there. Uh, hi, Buffy Virgin fans. This is John. Um, I just wanted to stop here and let you know that we are completely aware that uh, we are behind in releasing. Um, the funny thing that's happened is that we haven't fallen behind in actually watching the show. We are uh, halfway through season seven, um, but editing and releasing is something that takes a lot of time. Uh, Michael has been very successful with his video business and that's taking up a lot of his time. I'm a teacher that's taking up a lot of my time. Um, so we have uh, fallen way behind and the really sad thing about that that really uh, I think bothers me more than anything else is that we have not been able to have the kind of like quick chit chat back and forth in the comment section of the podcast that we used to have. And so what we're going to do to try to alleviate that is that we're going to actually get to cut in a section here with some new comments that are actually kind of more up to date to when we're actually going to be releasing um, talking to people who have actually said commented uh, you know more recently than like a year ago. So uh might be a little confusing, but that's what we're doing from now on, and enjoy. Let's do reactions to Season 6, Episode 13, Dead Things. Um, so we didn't get a lot of YouTube reactions. The, the best one and the only one was from Travis, uh, which is <laughs> timestamping body swap. Uh, so thank you, Travis. Um, over on Instagram, we got this one. And um, John, why don't you read this one? Well, Ty Mercury on Instagram says, y'all need to watch more frequently. At this rate, the cast will be in nursing homes by the time you finish the show. Uh, yes, Ty Mercury, uh, well observed. Although uh, the problem is not that we need to watch more frequently, it's that we need to release more frequently. Uh, you know, uh, editing is a difficult and long process and uh, we all have lives and jobs and, uh, it, you know, that, that's our excuse anyway, is that we have lives and jobs. Um, and then Dingo Action uh, was reacting to a reaction 
comment we made last time in in 13 about another episode uh but it had been such a long time that he had forgotten what his comment w- was referring to um so i just thought that was funny maybe uh not necessarily to be on this podcast funny but i just the complicated communication across like multiple months all right uh let's find out what older and far away is about listen to let's listen to the summary The Summary You're invited to Buffy's 21st birthday party at 1630 Ravello Drive. It's going to be more of a gathering this time and a little less of a hootenanny. Everyone's invited, except Spike, who will show up anyway. Just make sure to stay... Forever! Please RSVP by Friday, and don't bring any tortilla chips, cursed swords, stolen jackets, or an embarrassing over-eagerness to reconnect with your estranged girlfriend, as we have that covered. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Uh, Now let's do Great Lines. Great Lines. Uh, I loved uh, Tara. Just Tara's general standing up to Spike in this episode is is just a, a joy. But um, when she says to him, a, a muscle cramp in your pants? <laughs> I, I appreciated that. That was good. Um, uh, Xander in the episode says, uh, Anya, slugs get turned off by other slugs, which is a really funny, strange like. <laughs> Clearly, thing. Xander has never seen uh, Isabella Rossellini's green porno on set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. But, uh, and then Anya later says to Don, Buffy's making a grown-up friend, which is like so cringeworthy <laughs> and strange. And it's just a weird expression, grown-up friend. I want to get back to the slug sex for a second because that's one of my favorite repeating gags in Radiolab is that Ira Plato is always trying to pitch slug sex as a segment and the other guy is like, no, nobody wants to hear this. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Uh, this, this line triggered me for whatever reason. Uh, it's like, was perfectly timed to like get a big reaction out of me. It's pretty simple. Anya says about Don. I think she's possessed. And Xander says, she's a teenager. Uh, <laughs> this idea of spiritual possession or there's something, you know, but also like being a teen, this is like perfect. And it completely defined what was going on in that scene with uh, Don. And like, as someone who had a younger sister, I would have loved, like, I would have loved to be able to say like, she's possessed at any time. <laughs> and I didn't realize that was like sitting on the tip of my tongue for like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if only you had been watching Buffy back then. Wouldn't have mattered. This is 2002. All right. Oh, yeah. I needed this line yeah. in 91 through 99. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I chose uh, two. What This first one's from Buffy. In this house, we don't joke about eating people. Um, I mean, how many times has this happened for Buffy to set this rule? Uh, <laughs> and this one is from Halfrek. Um we actually prefer justice demons, okay, FYI. Uh, 
I like that, like, you know, they've just been misusing this term vengeance demons this whole time because of Anya. All right, let's move on to the kill count. The kill count. So, this episode, two demons get fully, non-fatally perforated by swords just for misdirection. Uh, one human is also non-fatally slashed, but then one demon finally does get eventually disposed of after way too long. Finally figured out. All right, and one infinity party. Let's move in. Let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. Okay, yeah. Uh, that sword absorption effect that they use, like, I think I audibly gasped when I saw that sword absorption. So the demon gets slayed uh, in the cemetery by Buffy with his own sword and then gets absorbed into it. And, like, I I, I, I know that After Effects plugin. I mean, I was just like, wow. <laughs> that was like, the. it's like a low-level CG thing. And anyway, it just triggered me for whatever reason. I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very dairy of the time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it felt it's it felt like the kind of effect, and it's like not dreamed up or imagined. Like sometimes you have an effect in our idea, I assume, and then you like come to the director and you're like, "We should do this." This went the other way, where the writer was like, "I the demon needs to be absorbed into a sword," and the effects person's like, "Okay," and then made it happen. <laughs> right? Like this is this is not like cool. Yeah. yeah. No, this is. I felt like this effect very much like only exists because of like Terminator Two, but that was nineteen ninety two. This is an entire ten years later, and now it's just a plug in. Uh, no, this is like clock in, do the effect, clock out. This is does the job <laughs> to service the story. Uh, and the demon also felt like a very like we just we're just doing the job this episode. Um, this demon had so many things going on 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 top of his head. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he had spikes like a Styracosaurus, and then he also had, like, just this gigantic dew. I cannot mm -hmm. even, like, his shape is hard to comprehend, but he's got to be so head-heavy. Um, it's got to be hard when you're a demon that's got that much, like, stuff on your head to, like, be a great warrior, right? Well, I love how this episode just set up how much Don's life sucks. Like they have her just like knocking at every door and being rejected, basically in the in the intro. She's like, yeah. her life's worse than a Mormon missionary, you know. She's like, <laughs> hey, would you guys mind? Hello, can we hang? Sure, okay, bye. Like Buffy rejects her. She gets rejected by Xander and Anya. She just wants somebody to go to the mall with, right? I mean, I think Travis has said it before, and he definitely has. Which is like the fact that she's only stealing is like they're they're blessed. Yeah, yeah truly. truly. Yeah. Something must have happened, though, between her and Amber Tamblin, because we don't see them hanging out. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a huge... Yeah, her not having age-appropriate friends is, like, the biggest, like, issue. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it, it's kind of Buffy's fault also, because <laughs> this world she lives in is so intense and so insane and not the kind you could just drag a normal civilian into. Like, if you're, like... Well, we don't want to, like, expose whatever Amber Tamblyn's character is to, like, the fact that demons exist, like. <laughs> well, and then she did have a friend, and then they, you know, went out with some vampires, and it's like, cool, that was my one friend. All right, well, now we can't hang out. I mean, 
Anyway, her life sucks. There was the friend who was with her in the bathroom right before she found out her mom died. <laughs> oh, I'm just friend. saying she has friends. Like, she has friends at school. School friends. Like, those aren't yeah, but apparently I mean, she doesn't count those as real friendships, which is, I don't blame her sad. for. I mean, when yeah. you're in high school, you know, that can it can be that way sometimes. Look, she Damn, almost became John. friends with a guidance counselor. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> didn't not mean your friend. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact she's so willing to open up to this guidance counselor is like... Guidance counselors are H- great. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry, I'm tipping ahead here, but like, and I didn't put it in my notes, but like, she's like, a guidance counselor reached out to me, noticed that I'm suffering, and I opened up to her, and everybody's like, "Well, you fell for that." Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, this person's doing their job with compassion, as far as Dawn knows, and like, she's a sap for like opening up to somebody. Oh, I. She don't lives like on that the hell mouth. You made a wish to someone you've only just met. <laughs> <laughs> Look, like, there's a lot of friend. these traps she has to keep in her head. <clears throat> That's true. It's not like she didn't grow up in this house. It's not like she doesn't know the vampire rules. Guidance counselors are like HR, but they represent the school's interest, not yours. Okay, so like. Yeah. All they want to do is make sure you get to college because so that's like the important thing the district gets graded on in some ways, like how many percent mm-hmm. of kids go to school. Yeah, and it's like, true. cool, we need to get you into a debt program ASAP so you can take on thirty to $80,000 of debt. Guidance counselors don't care about your future. Anyway, they represent <laughs> school's interests. So like, I don't trust them. <laughs> uh, John, you got the next one here. Okay, yeah. So I just uh, love that... Uh, I love that Willow has uh, apparently founded a 12-step program, it seems, um, for, uh, was it Spellcasters Anonymous? Um, like, that seems uh, really positive, but I'm, all, I'm really curious about this group of who are the other magic addicts, because we haven't seen any of them before, really, this season. Uh, who are they, and how did Willow meet all of them? Are they all of, like, Rax, yeah. former uh, addicts that he was serving? I don't know, like... Uh, I just feel like there's a whole weird, weird fan fiction story there, probably. Yeah, this is definitely part of the Buffy expansion kit that they need to get. <laughs> um, and then, not really related to that at all, but uh, we have those. We have the scene in the, uh, where she's talking to the guidance counselor, and uh, she's in a high school, it seems. Um, so is this the new Sunnydale High School? Because it seems to be a high school with lockers and hallways and uh, classrooms. Um, but it's clearly not the building that was blown up. But it also doesn't seem to be a brand new building. It doesn't look new. So I'm curious uh, what the story is there. I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for it. Maybe they're using the junior high uh, part of it while they're fixing up the new high school. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, she's going to classes. They exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry. Uh, so there's this moment where uh, Anya's making the food and she's like got these perfect like late 60s early 70s uh canapes like straight out of a betty cracker cookbook and they're beautiful i want to eat those up they're like cheese whiz and like the tops of green onions and cherry tomatoes on crackers like it looks really really delicious i love that kind of thing i was just really really into those um and then another weird food noticing so like a little bit later in the episode i might be jumping around a bit here but a little bit later in the episode when it's meant to be sort of like two in the morning and uh, everyone's like, why are we still here? Uh, There's a shot and you can check out the picture down there uh, where you can see, I want to point out two things in this shot here. Uh, Number one is that uh, at the, uh, when Spike first came over, he brought over a six pack and it's two in the morning and he's only had two beers. What a loser. He's got four beers left in his (laughs) six pack, which I feel like, come on. 
And then second, <laughs> please check out those tortilla chips next to Spike. That is like a garbage bag of tortilla <laughs> chips. They have no problem. Obviously, it's Southern California. They have no problem getting access to Mexican food. Uh, but my God, I've never seen tortilla chips in a bag that size. It's like he stole it from a food truck. <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, wow. those are my. That's yeah. my. Uh, that's my uh, Buffy food podcast. <laughs> Obviously, you're so triggered by being in the UK. All Mexican food just like needs an, a pronouncement about it. <laughs> He's sitting on what, a hundred, two hundred dollars. Of tortilla chips, just <laughs> and he's just sitting on that. What the? <laughs> In fairness, tortilla chips are, are 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 available here. I mean, we should definitely not watch like any cooking shows, right? Like that would be an amazing turn or a twist. Uh, okay, so I just feel sorry for poor Richard. Like this is all stupid rom com BS. If Buffy told her friends she was with Spike. She could avoid the setup from Anya and then Anya's overreach to invite a handsome young man who's very handsome uh, to go on a date with or like a house date, whatever this thing is, this setup. And there's nothing house funny. date. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing funny about it. It's just like this is a good comic thing. But like the way this gets set up later where Richard gets slashed, it's like this is fucking tragic uh, and it's totally avoidable. Like. Buffy does not need random people brought into her life who can then be injured or used as bait or hostages. Like, just for her keeping her house in order, she needs to tell people that she's with Spike. <laughs> yeah, haven't we learned... Didn't we learn back in season one, Buffy can't just have a random date? Poor Richard. Poor Richard and his almanac. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my, I got a prediction about Richard. I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> I don't think they're going on a second date. There's a but two two classic characters do return Tara of course and Clem very happy to see Clem again, uh, the foldy skin skin demon is this only his second appearance? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Maybe a second. Yeah, he's a charmer that Clem. So <laughs> you see him later being friends with Don, watching cartoons. Seems like a completely harmless kitten eating demon. It's just yeah. strange to play without kittens. <laughs> oh my god he's so lo-fi too like he just took the energy out of a demon right? uh so uh i love that uh first of all don tries on this leather jacket and i'm like wondering uh you know is uh is this don's first leather jacket that seems like a big uh it's the first know, like it's, yeah it's is her it first, not her first it's her first black leather one we pointed right. out earlier she had a blue leather one right i made fun of it because that's like Buffy visual language for like someone is bad. Is they've yeah. got a black leather jacket, right? Or they're growing um, up. Uh, yeah. And then she gives it to, to Buffy and Buffy's reaction is like, how could you possibly have afforded a leather jacket? Like that house doesn't have 35 <laughs> leather jackets stuffed into every closet. <laughs> I feel like there's just like a wash in leather all the time there. So John, 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 you're fundamentally misunderstanding what, it, what it's like to be obsessed with something. If you're obsessed with leather jackets, you want more leather jackets. <laughs> okay. This was a perfect gift for Buffy. Like, w when you have an obsession, you just want more. I don't know what you mean. I mean, I did buy, uh, I did just win an eBay auction for uh, six video mixers, but uh, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> six? Uh, it's, 
there's more of a story there. It turns out it's more like one functional, two non-functional, and then some other assorted pieces. Uh, I'm glad you won an auction for garbage. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't realize that the scavenger job class has a plus six to auctions, but <laughs> I'll, I'll write it down. I, we need to write that down. Oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, I want a high five, but it's dangerous. But uh, <laughs> that's so good. Virtual high five. <laughs> Tag it. Uh, I love how they handle the wish here because it was clear it was Don, but I enjoyed thinking through what the wish could be. I mean, it's like it becomes apparent that the wish is something like I want this party to never end or I don't want people to leave the house. But the initial like guess at what this wish is, uh, it feels good. And also like it's probably Don, but it could be somebody else in the house. Right. Like Richard, who's who I, like suspiciously could be Richard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that doesn't that doesn't last long. But anyway, I feel it's like surprised. it's pretty obviously Dawn because you see it happen before it happens. Like you see the yeah. wish moment. We beforehand. see her make the wish, but it doesn't necessarily like. I don't think it clicked with Mike that that we literally saw her make it because Halfrek doesn't immediately turn around like Anyanka did. And be like right. wish granted. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, but they do. They do point out uh, Halfrek in the uh, previously on at least the version that I watched. No, they pointed out, but that's also with her horrifying uh, justice demon makeup. So, of course. actually, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't recognize until the second viewing oh, okay. that really? Alfred was you the guidance counselor. You didn't recognize Cecily? Well, I I, I literally was uh, I was thinking it was a kind guidance counselor before I reversed my opinion on guidance counselors uh, when John brought it up earlier this uh, in this episode. I thought, like, oh, that's interesting <laughs> compassion. Something's up. I don't know what exactly. Uh, where's this going to go? But I didn't anticipate it going into a wish verse episode, which is where it goes, right? So it's yeah. like you don't hold on to the clues if like that doesn't appear to be the direction of the episode. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, it, it was just fun to kind of like guess at what the thing was. I didn't have any crazy guesses, by the way. I'm just like, maybe it's Richard. That was the extent of like what I wrote down. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so Br Buffy also brings in a new friend, Sophie from work. And I just, given her list of food no-nos, do you think we could get some sort of diagnosis? <laughs> <laughs> she can't eat chocolate, peanuts, egg yolks, sometimes dairy, or barley. I know this girl. I know her problem. I've, I've seen this girl. I've worked with her before at different jobs. She I mean, is it just a collection of allergies and maybe celiacs? I don't know. Is, it, is there something pulling it together? This girl only eats french fries and she's obsessed with friends, okay? That's just who it is. I don't know. This joke seems kind of shitty. Like, people who have, yeah. like, serious food allergies, it gets it's, really hard. It's it's not a punchline. Like, yeah. allergies should not be played for a punchline. And, but, like, the, the implication here is that she's not, she doesn't really have allergies. She's just sort of, like, or even, or if she does, it, like, makes her less fun to be around. <laughs> like, that's a shitty, that's a shitty joke. I feel like, I don't know, we can do without that. Yeah. Uh, it's funny when Anya's like, so what's her last name again? And it's like, Buffy didn't know. But it's like, man, you're not really a friend unless you know the first name and the last name. And, <laughs> and you know, they were giving her crap about it. it, it yeah, it's funny that, that they were giving her, like, mild crap about her trying to introduce someone new to the friendship group when, like, Anya was new to the friendship group, you know. Yeah. But also, like... It's not like either, not like the current friendship group has like an overabundance of personality. 
That's true. I do like Buffy's line there where she's like, what am I, some sort of loser who can't make friends outside of their small friend group? Like, that hit home. <laughs> but then I'm like, I just got this dynamite friend group. I mean, there's like nothing really. I mean, every once in a while, you ha- you ha- you end up with the 2016 or the 20. Oh, I'm not. I'm making an analogy that you guys aren't going to understand. Is it from Scrubs? No, it was a basketball analogy. Um, uh, I know there are brackets involved. You're talking about the dream team? There you go. Sometimes you just end up on the 1996 USA Olympic dream team. That's right, baby. And even though the 2000 dream, the 2000 dream team is also amazing, it's like, guys, I'm on the 96. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Travis, have you been a basketball fan the whole time I've known you and you haven't brought it up because you knew that I don't care? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not like a crazy <laughs> basketball fan, but, but I have yes. been watching it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, you don't talk about yeah. a lot of things. That's fair. I just, uh, I just, I feel slightly bad that like, uh, I didn't even know that about you. No, no, you, 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 you knew it. I don't bring it up. Anyways, we're the dream team is what I'm saying. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. It's dream all team positive, where, you, where you don't John. talk about sports. <laughs> uh, so you're stuck at this party. Do you play poker or Monopoly? Poker. Is David Monopoly is party? such a broken game. <laughs> yeah, Yoder's at the party. <laughs> I'm avoiding all board games. <laughs> I don't know what he's like with card games, but... Yeah, uh, I, would I decl- used to play a lot of poker with Yoder, actually. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, decline both, because like uh, every time I play poker in college, it's just like, it's always a mistake. Never play there's, Monopoly in college. So there's always like kids. one person that's really pushing to gamble, right? It's not fun really if fun. there's not money involved. Right, there's oh, that guy. I'm, I'm that one in this group. I get it. <laughs> I played uh, a lot of poker in grad school and after in Vermont. We played like every other week for years, but um, we did $5 buy-ins because we were all super poor. And sometimes, there were a couple times I literally couldn't withdraw $5 from my bank account, so I had to be loaned. And I got <laughs> I got a friend who still is holding on to an IO, IOU I, that he won't with, like uh, <laughs> let me pay back because it's like now it's just this like weighty favor. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm not going to stake you for that five bucks unless you're in for life. That's yeah, right. <laughs> Kenny, I miss that guy. I still owe him something. I helped him move and he didn't give me back the look. I'll stake you. I'll stake you my car. But if you lose, you're going to build that wall out in the backyard. <laughs> Uh, so I'd play poker, but I would be definitely insisting we play for money because otherwise, if, like, if Mike, why bluff? If, why do anything? If if we had a dungeon master like Mike at the party, I'd be like, screw the board games, screw the card games. Let's play a Dungeons and Dragons style game. Those are fun. Like you shouldn't get angry at someone else doing that. But you're right. There's like a fundamental, like playing a board game. Like people get angry. Like I remember when I was a child and played board games. I wouldn't get angry, but I'd be depressed at the end of the game. And I would just think to myself, this is supposed to be fun. (laughs) Like, I definitely felt Buffy's emotion of she's like, I'm out. And then people are like, no, you're not bankrupt yet. Keep playing. I was like, no, I want to be done with Monopoly. (laughs) Like, Yeah, but it also sucks when you're three hours into a board game and somebody's (laughs) like, well, you guys can't play anymore because I'm out. It's like, well, fuck you. (laughs) 
But Monopoly goes on forever. Yeah, I agree. That's why you don't play Monopoly. Like, as an adult, you should never play Monopoly and never play Risk. Because yeah. they're, they're fundamentally poorly designed games. Right? No, it goes on forever because people cheat. Like, Monopoly shouldn't go that long. Like, it actually yeah. shouldn't. It goes on because the free parking thing is bullshit. There is no free parking, collect all the money thing. Like, whatever that system added, that got added because being broke sucks. And otherwise, people make bad decisions and they're done early. So it's like you have to play by the rules and reread the rules. And if someone doesn't buy a property, it goes up at auction. So it gets sold right, right. away. And then yeah, somebody, no one does the auction thing ever. Well, you got to do it because so that's how people get screwed because they waste their money on the auctions for bad properties. You can so. buy you can buy properties at auction. I thought you had to land on the spot to buy. If the you property. actually read the yeah, when you land if on you, and, if, and if you know if that person who lands on it doesn't want to buy it, it goes up to auction for everybody else. Is that right? Yeah, that's the rule. Um, oh. Which nobody does because nobody reads the rules. Nobody actually does that. No, because people inherit the rules from their family who also never read the rules, and so it becomes an unplayable game. Anyway, it's still a bad game for other reasons. <laughs> right. And, it goes and I'm on sure, for- as anyone who's ever listened to a podcast knows, uh, there's a, the fun history of Monopoly is that it was meant to be broken. It was originally called the Landlord's Game, um, and it was meant to be to illustrate how the system is rigged. Uh, and I have just summarized for you 99% Invisible and some other bullshit podcast, because that's like a favorite <laughs> podcast. Did you know? That's a good impression of uh, those podcasters. I like that. <laughs> hey, really, did you know? Really, really choke up. Did you know that the landlord? Po- <laughs> yeah, choke, you got to choke up on that on that microphone. Yeah. And say. Yeah. Also, amp, put up the stakes on it. Let us know that uh, this is an important oh, story that we don't know. Do do the serial music that we were joking about. <laughs> oh yeah. Hold on. Hold on a sec. Did you know that your favorite board game has a hidden secret? That's this week on Buffy Virgin. You know, I always used to play Monopoly with my family, but I didn't know that we were always playing it wrong. Whatever, good music can sell a story that doesn't exist. It's amazing. Okay, where are we? Are we doing what are we doing a podcast about? Um, okay, so I love this discovery in the kitchen, and it's like I think it's Willow and Tara, and they're kind of talking about the things they have to do. Like everybody has important shit to do that they're not doing because of the spell, because of the justice demon curse, whatever. And just like the I want to go to side this, I gotta go to school, but I don't feel like going. Like I don't want to go, and <laughs> just like this weird uh, adult thing where you like have a responsibility and you're actively saying you're not going to do it. I mean, it's. I've been I've been in that situation as an adult and it's kind of delightful that it's like there's a curse involved that's preventing me from doing a thing. Like I've just literally felt so lazy that I'm like, oh, there's some kind of reception we should be going to, but I don't want to go. And like totally. having having that adult conversation there. So like that one was surprisingly resonant because I'm like, I know this conversation and it's not never a curse involved. It's just my own laziness. <laughs> and which gets to the next point here, which is like Dawn is not wrong about what important means when she says that uh, everybody is treating her like she's not important, right? Like everyone has important things to do. That's right. So like nobody, you know, can hang out with her and she's not wrong. Like no one has made time for Dawn. She's not important to anybody. And like she's called it out and it's true. Like Buffy even calling it saying like, oh, and we'll hang out in the future. We'll do this thing. Like, no, we always live in the present moment, Buffy. The future is never coming and you're not spending time in the present with someone that you, you supposedly care about. Like, that you literally died for? So, I don't know. I think 
Buffy's sense of what's important is messed up right now. And so is everybody else's. I mean, and Anya and Xander are so obsessed with this wedding and each other, like they can't see straight. Tara and Willow, you know, they're broken up and that was providing what little kind of like family support and like sense of importance to Dawn because I think they were surrogate parents to her. So it's just sad. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Anya really uh, crosses the line a few times this episode. <clears throat> oh, totally. With this next one. Yeah, when she asked Willow to cast magic to undo the spell, uh, that was such a big line cross. And like, I love Tara stepping up from that moment to say, like, yeah. you got to go through me. Even though that writing was a little cheesy. I don't know. It just seemed really cheesy to me. Like, but it was still like the meaning was present, even if it was cheesy. It was still like, you know, she was protective of Willow. I mean, the fact that they're asking her to cast magic to get them out of this. It's just like, no, they got to do another thing. Um, it just reminds me of this pandemic we're in. Because this is a pandemic episode, if anything. Oh, totally. Yeah. And like, I also like Anya, you know, gets to this point where she's just like, you know, had it with everybody and stuff. <laughs> and so that's why she's pushing everybody's buttons and doing all this stuff. But it's like, I know they're they're trapped, but like something bad happens to them every week. Like <laughs> she should be able to bounce back from this at this point. Like um, if you haven't developed the coping mechanisms by now to deal with like magic nonsense like when will you right there's every week there's a trigger for willow yeah like the fact that she can yeah of course she's had to deal with this now for however many episodes she's been off magic uh <clears throat> it was funny though when xander brings up the musical um <laughs> it's a nice so like don't play for sure that it was xander who summoned the the, the yeah the music i think demon, so. you think i mean i the the idea that it isn't Xander is only like fan canon, not right, you know. But it it does make sure everybody should have their like, hey hey, we've all done something dumb, we've all cursed each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny also. Spike and Halfrek recognize each other. Yeah, that's of. a cool moment and weird. Yeah. Um, never. Yeah. <laughs> I, I looked it up, and apparently it's all over the Buffy fandom and stuff of whether Halfrick and uh, Cecily are the same person or not is, like, still being argued about. Um, uh. Because I guess in comics it's been confirmed, but Joss Whedon has made contradictory statements of saying, like, either they are the same person or he didn't realize he was casting the same person twice. He didn't um, realize. <laughs> so there's a lot of back and forth on on Buffy on the Buffy fan sites about this. Uh, no direct answer. What? You guys know each other? I just know if oh, that was no. this was your first episode of Buffy, that would be super <laughs> annoying. <laughs> but I like that. I mean, I like the idea that, you know, he, that was his first love, right? Yeah. Like back in the yeah. flashback and like the idea that they would just run into each other now, but she's unrecognizable to him. Because she's passed yeah, she, over and, and become a demon. She calls him by his real name. Which would say part of their attraction is, well, they're in completely different circumstances now. So it's just like, this isn't going to come back together. But also, like, you know, she's not as unattainable, maybe. <laughs> like, Buffy's so unattainable. Well, this show is getting us so excited for when Willow uses magic again. I can't wait to shout and scream when Willow casts a spell. Because, like... <laughs> They're like, look, we need a powerful magician. Sorry, Tara. You know, whatever is going on here, it's like, 
yeah, let's get Willow's magic back. Like, she's in Spellcaster's Anonymous. She's tried so hard not to use magic. She kept some back. She kept some little trinkets back because it's like she doesn't want to have a, she wants to have a safety net. I mean, this is the, the you know, alcoholic with liquor in a shoe, you know, shoebox or some weirdness. And it's like, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm clean, but like, you know, I got to have access just in case, you know? And so like, she's, she's getting that safety net taken away. I mean, ugh. And what's the trigger going to be? That's the question. What's going to get it back? And so this is such a huge emotional thing. This is the thing Joss Whedon loves to do. He's got us waiting so much for this thing to happen. And when it happens, it's going to be so exciting, so satisfying to see the flip on this. So I, it's going to be used for emotional reasons. It has to be. It's going to be an emotional flip, and they're going to get her, and she's going to do something super fucked up. And I kind of can't wait uh, for that turn to happen. And I assume it'll be uh, either Don or Tara is going to get effed with. So probably Tara at this point. I mean, Tara just stood up for her. So kill Tara, bring Willow's magic back, right? Because that's the thing. That's the only reason she's not using magic, right? Is because Tara is there. Anyway, this is enough speculation. Poker or Johnny. Monopoly, fellas. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, just uh, just in, yeah, just Tara uh, standing up to um, standing up to Anya and Tara in general in this episode is uh, continuing to be too emotionally mature to really be friends with these people who uh, are generally only ever like like the way these characters are written like Xander, Anya, Dawn, Buffy, Spike are all sort of defending their own uh, weaknesses or are like always sort of acting in self interest. Um, and Tara is the only person who ever seems to like she's genuinely paying attention to other people's needs and uh, in a very like adult way trying to help. Uh, just just I don't know what she's doing hanging out with these kids. She's too good for this world. <clears throat> Questions for the group. Let's do it. Questions for the group. Okay, I got a Dr. Travis question. So when uh, poor Richard uh, has his uh, almanac cut open, um, uh, this is like the worst blood effect I've ever seen, where it's just like there's some blood on his shirt. But then when Tara, if you look at the uh, screenshot I put in, uh, Tara sort of like gets some, I assume, like hydrogen peroxide and dabs it onto the shirt. Uh, what do you think about her first aid skills? <laughs> Um, she's not, a, she's not an especially powerful first aid user. <laughs> <laughs> she's not going to first aiders, uh, anonymous. Yeah. No, she's not. I mean, you just, you just, for this, you just put pressure on the wound initially like this, you know, like it, yes, it's good to wash the wound out, but, um, but you know, right now you just, in theory, you just, he'd be still bleeding. I mean, you just want to put pressure so he doesn't bleed too much. So I think the hydrogen peroxide is just... Not, I mean, maybe they don't show the rest of what she does, but it's a little. But if you were gonna like try to disinfect and put hydrogen, wouldn't you want to take <clears throat> your shirt off? Yeah, you take the shirt off, and <laughs> yeah, you'd wash it all out, and then you put pressure, blah blah blah. But she's trying. I mean, she's literally the only person who's trying. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't want to criticize I will, her. <laughs> I will admit it would have been funny if there was a Buffy episode where they all had to go to like uh, get BLS certified, like basic life support <laughs> certified. That'd be a great episode. They should at least become EMTs, right? It yeah. would be such a valuable That's what Buffy should be. Buffy should be an EMT. 
that would be the right kind of thing for constant urgency. Do you know yeah. uh, who is uh, a certified EMT? My cousin Mick. Oh, uh, probably, but also David Lee Roth. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what? What is this? This is true. This is absolutely, <laughs> this is absolutely a fact. David Lee Roth, he doesn't currently work as an EMT, but he did for a little bit. Post, you know, Van Halen. Uh, um, but before the present day, there was a period in which uh, David Lee Roth was an, was an EMT. Can you imagine if you, like, were in a car accident and, like, David Lee Roth pulls up and, like, pulls you into an ambulance? <laughs> I wouldn't that even would know amazing. who it is. I wouldn't recognize him. Like, that's not even... Okay. You if the ambulance shows up late and he's like, I don't feel tardy. It'd be amazing. <laughs> there we go. I was waiting for something. <laughs> I think you'd probably think that you died. Like if yeah, you exactly. <laughs> be like, am I hallucinating still? <laughs> well, we're already at the infinity party. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you want your next infinity party? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I I'd say not my apartment because I'm tired of it. Uh, I'll pick somebody else's apartment. I'll just be a house guest for six months. Oh, I want it to be at the Louvre. Can you, yeah, you gotta you want to think outside the box. Get get stuck in a giant in a giant building, the biggest of all buildings. Well, it's not the biggest building in the built in the world, but it's not bad. Mall of America, the Louvre. Mm. Actually, <laughs> not a mall. That would be that would feel too uh, Dawn of the Dead to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you quarantine? Do you party with others or by yourself? I'm sorry, we're not using the quarantine word. It's called an infinity party. It's different. It's infinity party. <laughs> I mean, I I was gonna say who are you with, but like. We're there, and it feels too raw, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> like, uh, family and friends would be great. I would like to have a just all my family and friends hanging out, even though it would be annoying. Like, the idea of living on top of everybody and like in a big house with my friends would be amazing right now. The fact that that's not the case is like, is shit. So, that's where it's like, eh, we're already at the infinity party. Who do I want? Everyone at my infinity party. I want all my close friends to be forced to live with me. So, I need a big <laughs> house to do that. So next time, bigger house or the Louvre. The Louvre is a great choice. I didn't even think you're right. really outside the box because yeah. I'm because I'm so I'm such a pretentious AF person too. <laughs> and you're all thinking it, and you all know. I wasn't thinking that. Thinking you're one of the least pretentious people I know, Travis. <laughs> when I think of pretentious, I don't think of Travis. Oh, thank you. I think it's someone else of, on this podcast. <laughs> speaking of pretentious, let's move on to themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. So I just, I, I, when we do the, the podcast, I try not, I try to avoid like reviewing the episode and saying if it was good or not. But with this episode, like, I feel like it's just it could have been so much better. It's hard not to do that because, um, like, I'm a huge fan of this, like, fairly narrow sub 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 genre of films where it's a sort of a survival story. But it takes place in sort of mundane, like not on a desert island, but like in a mundane location. Because, uh, like, ever since I was a little kid, I've always been like fantasizing about, you know, when I'm on the bus. I'm like, what if I was on this bus forever? 
Or if I'm in a public restroom, like what if I was in the public restroom forever? Oh. And like, what would I do? Like, how, how would you sort, sort out like, like water is the first thing you got to figure out and then food. But then also like, if there's other people there, like, how do your relationships change? How does your like psychology evolve over time? Like, does the does the graffiti on the bathroom wall by like year six like attain like religious significance to you? Like at some point, you know. Anyway, uh, and I have a bunch of movies that uh, fit this mold that uh, I uh, well three that are in the uh, recommendations uh, when we get there. But like, I feel like uh, this episode misses out on like what's all the interesting stuff about this, and I feel like. When this episode was probably first pitched, I, I feel like what happened, and I'm just making this up, but when this episode was first pitched, maybe uh, they thought they, they had this really cool idea for this bottle episode where everybody sort of like uh, gets to the core of their emotional problems with each other. Um, and it, the episode was rejected as not having enough like visual flair to it. So they added this demon just to create a sense of peril for no like the most mundane demon with like a stupid gimmick. Uh, that doesn't really work at all just to create a sense of peril in the episode. And then also like it's over. They're like, they, they're, they're being locked up in the house. is like for like what? 48 hours at the most, it seems like. And uh, you know, maybe it's the COVID situation talking, but that doesn't seem like very long to be locked <laughs> up in your house. It seems like these guys should not be worried at all. They should be totally fine. Um, can I, so can I, feel I make like, two, can I make two statements? Number Please. one, this is going to be very controversial. This feels like a Star Trek episode. <laughs> like, yeah. This feels like so much like a Star Trek episode. Um, and the second is, is, this, is, there like a, is there like a name for this genre? I was trying to think if it's like isolation horror. This feels like a very much like you're locked yeah. on a spaceship traveling. Like it's very much like there's like a genre of trapped. There's like, it's like a trapped genre kind of like there's something about being trapped in a, in a place. It's not the haunted house genre, but it's, it's more like lifeboat, like, like the the Hitchcock film. Like that feels like the kind of the earliest version I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, And there's also like, there's that um, five characters in search of an escape, that twilight zone episode. Yeah. I feel like there should be a name for that. Isolation horror is good. I like that. Um, And then not really related to that. I was kind of watching this and thinking about like one of the horrors of this episode is um, Buffy especially, but maybe some of the other characters too, like just trying to deal with worlds colliding and like friends that know different sides of her and like trying to like keep those rods moving. And um, I feel like that might be why I don't like parties uh, is because like when you're like, when you're with one or two people at a time, it's like fairly manageable to uh, be a person that they would like and like kind of like, make your personality fit their expectations. But when you're with your, like, when you're with somebody from work and somebody from like your friends and with like, it's too much and you can't, it just, uh, it's crazy making. So I feel like maybe I don't like parties cause I can't juggle all those balls. Uh, so do you still feel this way now, John? Uh, probably less so than when I was, I mean, I've, I've it's been worse <laughs> when I was younger, but like, you know, awkward teenage years was definitely not good for parties, but like, uh, yeah, I'm still not crazy huh. about parties, especially with mixed groups of people is not my ideal fun time. Yeah, I mean, less like you could have a lot of reasons for not liking parties, but you still yeah. feel like there's different yous that you have to juggle when you're around different groups of people. I mean, not even I'm not so much like uh, I mean, certainly, yeah, you have certainly separate personalities for different places and times, but also even like subtle things or like small things like just like how you would how strongly you would state a certain opinion might be different depending on the people you're around. And so like, it just feels like you're, uh, it feels like when you, when you have 
mixed ones to try to try to try to talk to. It's a little bit difficult. Hmm. Wow. So you still feel like you're presenting like false facades. Not, no, I don't. Th- no, I don't think false is the right word. It's just a question of like, how do I make this conversation fun for this person? Right. Or how do mm. I make this person approve of me? Uh, not that any version of that is more true than another. It's just that's the game that conversation is, right? I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like I do that anymore. Like maybe I did that in high school and stuff, but I feel like I'm just. I am okay with introducing different groups of friends because, like, I they they all know the same me at this point. I don't know. I guess I I thought that was something people grow out of, but maybe it's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe um, some of us do. <laughs> I I agree. It's still difficult for sure. But now, now like during the current crisis, it's like everyone is so hungry for like human contact that a lot of those like preconceptions are blown away. Like you don't, you don't necessarily worry so much about doing the right thing as it is of, Oh my God, there's human contact. Yeah. I mean, I guess I might worry sometimes about like, Maybe I've exaggerated stories over the years, and if I bring a, a current <laughs> friend into my high school friends, and I'm like, oh no, they know the version where I'm the hero in this thing instead of Michael <laughs> or John or whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm going to make the same jokes. I, with my, you know, while I'm at work, I might not swear as much. I think that's the only difference. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. All right. Sorry to attack your beliefs. No, I don't. I don't read that as an attack <laughs> at all. That's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. All right. Um, Want to go into uh, recommendations? Recommendations. Uh, John, you you definitely uh, did more of the work this week on that. So why don't you go ahead? Well, I just, again, this is like a weird minuscule subgenre of films that I really like and not even necessarily just like, cause like there's a lot of isolation, I guess if we call it isolation horror, like, you know, the thing would fit in that to some extent. And like, uh, you said, uh, Dawn of the Dead, but like specifically this idea of like, how do you cope with being trapped in a really mundane public place often, or like sort of like mundane location for a really long time, uh, is something I think is for some reason really compelling. Uh, so, uh, this episode is clearly based on, uh, the Louis Bunuel film, uh, The Exterminating Angel, which is like a film school kind of thing that you watch, um, which is where these sort of like, uh, these, uh, Spanish bourgeois people, uh, have like, uh, you know, a dinner party and they all hang out and then over time they realize they can't leave the dinner party and, um, it gets crazier and crazier over time and it starts off as like this kind of like goofy movie where like you're worried about who's dating who or whatever and then over time it gets more and more dire as they realize they just can't leave and they just don't know why and it's this really and this this episode is a hundred percent clearly based on it but uh the especially this part of like i want to leave but i also don't want to leave and the thing that's stopping you is somehow internal to you like you just can't muster the will um so that's a really good movie i really do recommend that people know uh louis bunuel from uh the eye cutting open movie which I feel like gives people the wrong impression of him as a filmmaker. He's actually uh, a lot more fun than that. Uh, and then another one, which was Relaxer, which I made you guys watch, uh, <laughs> and I will never be allowed to choose a film ever again, uh, 
which is a movie where a guy says he's not going to leave his couch uh, until he beats uh, Pac-Man, which is, of course, impossible. Um, and the movie, again, sort of like descends into madness as uh, things get weirder and weirder and he can't leave the couch. Um, and then another one, uh, which is a very Twilight Zone feeling uh, film from Mexico called El Incidente, um, where uh, it's like, I don't know how to, like, without spoiling it, it's hard to explain, but there's a, uh, like the, the sort of the first part of the film is these guys who are like, there's like, it starts off with like a uh, cop story and there's like criminals and the cops going to catch them and they go into the stairwell and then they just like when they walk up and then the cop and the criminal are like trapped in the stairwell. And when they go up the stairs, they just kind of loops back around. And so they're in the stairwell forever. And then like what happens next is it, it, it's a really, really good movie. I really, really enjoy that movie. Uh, so yeah, weird, weird staying in this spot forever films. Super into them. And if anybody cool. knows any, I haven't seen, I want to hear them. Uh, that's excellent, John. I'm glad you did all this. Cause I, I didn't have a lot for this and I was going to pull up, I was going to do research this morning, but I didn't have to cause <laughs> you presented these. Um, so I'm also going to recommend the mask of the red death based on the Edgar Allan Poe short story directed by Roger Corman, starring Vincent price. You're trapped in a party. There's death there. Vincent Price is good. And I'm also going to recommend Foxy Brown because Don was wearing a Foxy Brown shirt uh, at the beginning of this episode. And you really can't go wrong with a Pam Greer exploitation movie. Uh, Super fun. All right. We are going to, before we do predictions, we're going to start a new segment. Where do we go from here? Because Buffy isn't going to last forever. And our friendship is. So what are we going to do next, guys? Where do we go from here? So we've been talking about producing another podcast after Buffy Virgin, but maybe not a TV viewing podcast, though someone may pitch that. So the thought is we're going to pitch a podcast concept every week and that hopefully, you know, we'll get some ideas from our audience, what they're actually interested in us doing, if anything. Um, of course, we're doing a TV podcast. People are probably going to be like, do a TV podcast. But uh, we are going to pitch some other stuff. So this week, uh, this first inaugural one here, uh, I'm thinking our next podcast could be, uh, I'm calling it, This Old Magazine. Um, and we just look through an old magazine together. Uh, we'd get it on a, like an overhead cam, and we just go through it a page at a time, like an old issue of Wired. I especially would like to see an old uh, issue of Details magazine. Uh, maybe with a, like in-depth interview with uh, Ethan Hawke, something like that. Uh, just uh, <laughs> maybe I have something very specific in mind. Anyway, uh, just looking through old magazines. I used to be an obsessive magazine collector reader in the 90s, and it took a long time for that to die out. In fact, it took the uh, magazines being canceled, <laughs> like magazines, uh, like the world canceled magazines. Uh, I didn't cancel magazines, you know, uh, so I still subscribe to magazines just digitally. But it would be cool to look through an old physical magazine together, laugh at the ads and stuff. There's something for everybody in a magazine. And be aghast by, uh, you know, like the misogyny that's present in advertising. I mean, that's if you look at an old enough magazine, like yeah. 99 and 2004 and earlier. The nostalgia thing is really cool. And like, I think I like the idea of like us maybe, you know, splitting it up and reading some of the feature articles ahead of time. Because obviously us reading live on the podcast would be boring. Um uh, um, it's funny cause, uh, magazines are, you said, you know, kind of like not existent anymore. I have, I currently teach a class where, uh, my, um, 14 year olds have to design a magazine cover as like a big project that they have to work on. And I swear, like the kids are just like, what's a magazine? 
They, they really that have very little awareness wild. of them. Yeah. I mean, they know factually what they are, but like, I don't think any right, of them, the very few of them of have actually read like, one. Yeah, that is so wild. And this would be partially inspired by stuff I've seen cartoon cape and a cartoon comics kayfabe do where they'll go through an old issue of like the comics journal or the um, what is it? Wizard. Wizard. Yeah. Wizard more than comics journal. And they'll go through and talk like about where things actually ended up in comics and stuff. It's super interesting. It's like historians, which is awesome. Um, but I also like would love to look through an old video game magazine like an EGM because like back in the day when you didn't have access to every video game or Let's Plays like you would imagine what these games were like in your brain. And I think that's partially where I got so fixated in video games because it's like I'm looking at a magazine that has all these just one screenshot and then a title. It's kind of like yeah. looking at a book cover and imagining what's in the book. And like my brain just right. go crazy imagining what these games were. And then you play them and they would be nothing and you, or, or amazing, but mostly nothing. <laughs> yeah, I liked in like old Nintendo Powers when they do like a full like level map. Mm-hmm. That was always yeah. really awesome. Right, because then you can virtually play the game in your mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were doing Let's Play Alongs, you know, like back in the day in the magazine, they did their own version of it. So it's like not even a new concept. All right, that sounds like a fun idea. All right, first one on the list. Let's uh, start a new spreadsheet. All right, let's do, pr- before we do that, let's pull up another spreadsheet. Let's do predictions. Virgin Predictions. Okay, looking at predictions, Michael, your current overall accuracy, a 64.23, whereas your accuracy for this season is a 74.47, just about half a percent behind your uh, overall best season, which is currently season two. So we'll see if we can catch season six up to season two and set a new record here. Um, so, okay. So first of all, I did not highlight this. This is a notoriously contentious prediction. Uh, well, well back at the very beginning of this endeavor, uh, in season one, episode six, Michael predicted that Xander will have sex with a monster that he doesn't know is a monster. Uh, why is this highlighted, Dennis? I haven't opened up the doc oh. this week. Oh, okay. That was not... Okay, well, then we can just cut this out because it's highlighted <laughs> for no apparent reason. I thought I reset them all, but I didn't. Okay. Sorry. I know. I just haven't had time to open up the doc. Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. I assumed you did it. Okay, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> never mind. Our first prediction that we'll talk about then is uh, in Season 3, Episode 9, Michael predicted that there will be, quote, no more monsters who grant wishes you didn't know you were making. I think that is about as sound a denial as we could possibly ask for. So, sorry, Michael, that's denied. I always love it when an old one comes up. Like, clearly, when when Mike made that prediction, we all thought of this episode. Absolutely, it was yeah. It's like we got to wait so long to deny it. <laughs> Literally years. Years were waited. Okay. Do do scrolling down. Okay. All right. Season five, episode two, so jumping ahead quite a bit here, Michael predicted that the Scooby gang will play new board games that break the basic board game trinity, which is Clue, Life, and Monopoly. Uh, So they uh, currently continue to play Monopoly uh, here, so that doesn't break the trinity. Um, I think we're just going to leave this one open and just mention this one, unless someone wants to argue that poker is a board game. It's not a board game. Which it is not. Yeah, I think it clearly is not. So, okay. I'm just going to leave that one alone then. Uh, 
Buffy season five, episode 13, Michael predicted that Dawn is going to cast a super powerful spell. The question here being, is Dawn casting a spell in any uh, way, shape or form? No. Yeah, I think not Alfred either. Is, so we're going to leave yeah. that open. Um, you know, you could make the argument that Dawn is casting some sort of spell by saying, I wish in the presence of Halfred, but I think that we're, it's not really her casting the spell. It's Halfred casting the spell on her behalf, right? Mm. Okay. So uh, one episode after that, uh, season five, episode 14, Michael predicted that Spike will save Buffy's life. Now, uh, I thought about this here because there is a fight. Spike certainly helps out in the fight. Um, do you think he saves Buffy's life? Or if Spike wasn't there, do you think Buffy would have been able to fight off the uh, sword demon? That sword demon didn't seem to pose much of a problem. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, it certainly didn't when she was by herself at the beginning. Um, so I think we can probably leave this one as open as well um, and look out for uh, Spike saving Buffy's life in the future. So, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, season 5, episode 15, uh, Michael predicts that Xander, comma, as a contractor, will build a new tool for killing monsters. So he builds a weapons chest, which is a, a tool, it's a device for holding weapons to kill monsters. So is this a tool for uh. killing monsters? What do you think? <laughs> um, it is a very nice chest. I was impressed it with it. It's a treasured uh, chest. And it's... <laughs> I guess technically, yeah, you have to go by the by the literal. I mean, it literally is a tool. It literally could help you kill monsters if you couldn't find your weapons before. Yeah, we all knew what Mike intended, but we don't go by intent. We go by <laughs> this is by the way literal, is a super prediction. This is a literal literal interpretation. I mean, I always am in favor of denying a super prediction. Uh. <laughs> well, we can't deny it. Uh, but the question is to confirm or leave it open. Because we don't um, know what contraptions Xander may build in the future. He is the, uh, is he the Donatello of this group? Wow, if he is, this is a poor, poor <laughs> man. That's, that's why they have so much trouble. This guy's your Donatello. This guy's your Donatello? You guys are screwed. <laughs> You're never going to get this blip out of the air. Uh. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go for deny, but because uh, okay. it's not for killing. It's for organizing killing. Yeah, tools. I think the problem is that with this is that, yeah, I think if we're going to say that this is for killing monsters, then by uh, extension, sort of anything that allows Buffy, like is convenient, gives convenience to Buffy's life is for killing monsters. And I think that that's probably too liberal an interpretation. So I think we're probably going to leave this open. But um, just thought I would uh, bring that up so we could have that. Is there a chat. stake in it or anything like that? No, not when he gives it to her. It's uh, just for holding the weapon she already has. Okay. Uh, season six, episode six, uh, Michael predicted that the dragon coin that Dawn steals is going to get her into trouble. Which it does. Mm. She definitely gets into trouble. So I think that's confirmed. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, season six, episode eight, uh, Buffy and Spike will break up in season six. I think I actually didn't mean to highlight this one. Um, but do they break up? Were they ever together? Who knows? I think probably <laughs> we just leave this one open for now and talk about it later. Um, and that's it. That's all of our uh, predictions. Unless uh, anybody can think of one that I missed. Nope. Okay. Um, so 
given that, uh, Michael, it looks like your scores have dropped slightly. Your uh, overall total has gone down to a 64.16, and your total for season six has gone down to a 73.47. All right. I have new predictions because I need to get those points. Uh, Anya is going to talk about Dawn stealing in a future episode. I feel like Anya can't leave this alone. Like, she's always going to bring it up, but at least once. Uh, even though Halfric is a mess, Halfric is still invited to the wedding. Uh, we're never going to see poor Richard, the date from this episode. I just wrote the date from older and far away for my own memory. <laughs> Again, um, let's never go to a Spellcasters Anonymous meeting. Let's never go. Hearing John <laughs> speculate about what, what that would be like, <laughs> it's not happening. We're never going. <laughs> and then super prediction, Tara's death <clears throat> inspires Willow to use magic again. That's got to be it. That's got to be the trigger. Figured it out. This show's going to unlock that. I don't know if it's this season, next season. I don't want to say. Probably this season. But I'm not going to further entrap this prediction. <laughs> Let's do some more details. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The super prediction, Tara's death inspires Willow to use magic again. I'm putting use in quotes because you know what I'm talking about. Magic gets you high. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, I've been Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dennis Comics. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Don't forget to rate us, and we hope you're subscribing. You can watch us on YouTube. Our Twitter is at Buffy Virgin Pod, and Instagram is Buffy Virgin. Uh, you can check us out at BuffyVirgin.com. Reach out. We love to hear from you. We'll see you in hell. Hey.